Okay, uh, due to popular request, we were asked to do a second series on the emails, as you remember. And uh, Baruch Hashem, we got a number of emails, already even from last time, that's the truth. I've kept a lot of them from last time, and especially this time as well. So, um, before we begin, any of you that do want to send an email in, please, we'll be doing this for a couple of days, aw at etrog, E-T-R-O-G, dot net, N-E-T, dot I-L, aw at etrog, dot net, dot I-L. Now, um... We're going we're gonna to reverse the series in a different way. Last time we started with a Hashkafa question. Today we're going to be starting with more of the Halachas. Um, it's going to take us some time. Kobe will go backwards and forwards. We'll like mix and match. We'll do a little bit of both. There is a tremendous amount to do. I apologize for those people that sent in emails. Uh, some of which are not on the screen right now. So maybe we'll wait for those ones. But uh, I'm not going to be able to get to all of them. And the purpose of what we're doing this for is as follows. The purpose of this is, and I'm specifically picking the emails that I think are applicable to everyone, whether it's Halacha Shailas or, or Hashkafa Shailas, right? Number one, Halacha Shailas on a get to everyone, and they're interesting to hear, and that's what I got from the Oilam as well. You know, the guys very much wanted to do this, and I asked, you know, I didn't need to do this, but I always try to reply to the email as well. But I think the guy said that it's, it's just, it gives you an, it just sort of broadens your mind in different shilas and different halachas from different sections in Shulchan Aruch. So it gives you an idea what people are asking, both in Aruch and both in Ashkofer as well. So let's start by Ezra Hashem with a couple of emails uh, which I got, which I actually just want to mention because I'm so touched by these people that sent me an email. We'll start with this one. My name is Shmuel Mordechai Sandler, also known as Rabbi Sami. I am the rabbi of an Ashkenazi shul in Mexico City called Beis Yitzchak. I just wanted to tell you that I follow your shurim and I love listening to them. Many of my Shabbos droshes and my Wednesday sichas are based on your shurim. I hope none of his Tamidim are listening right now, otherwise they're going to know where he gets everything from. I thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for finding you on Torah Anytime, and we all thank Torah Anytime, because they are the passage to the world. And I thank you for being such an inspiration of my Shabir, Machzat, Vakhlal Yisrael, and Brochah um, that's wonderful. Amen. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate, appreciate that. Uh, dear Rabbi Wiesewald, I'm originally from Israel. I grew up in Tel Aviv and studied in Yisraelat Torah School of Aguda. Later moved on to a village called Chashmanoim next to Kiryat Sefer and learned there in a yeshiva called Tichonit. After my army service, I moved to Leipzig. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. That's in Germany. To learn and Baruch Hashem to work. I found out about Yeshua as a podcast. It sends me back to my years. And I have current time and good impact on my further religious learning. As we don't have here much Yeshua. Greeting to Eretz HaKodesh. Sahar. Beautiful. Welcome. Thank you. Um, hello, Rabbi. This is Yaakov Tzvi, Yaakov Zevi, from Dallas, Texas. Rabbi, so we're going all over the world over here. First of all, thank you for the shout-out. There we are. In the Dafyomi Shit. Second of all, you see now all you guys who have to write emails. Second of all, my mother, who has listened for years to all of your shurim except for the Dafyomi. Look at that. Wow. I had a question for you. Our question is, we know that a Jewish baby in the mother's stomach learns Torah. But what does a non-Jewish baby do in the non-Jewish mother's stomach? Thank you so much. We love the shiurim. I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, we know that the, the boy, a boy learns Torah, is taught by a malach, forgets the Torah when it comes out. What a baby that is a non-Jew is not much in Torah. It's brought down from the Chachmeha science 
in this generation that they recognize words, they recognize music. There's a lot that you can, you can even talk to your baby and they remember and they recognize the mother and the father's voice and it calms down the baby and it's supposed to be very therapeutic and b'chole b'chole. But from a halachic chazal aspect, I personally am not aware of any marmakomis. If anybody out there knows of any marmakomis, please send it to me. I would be very interested to hear if there's any chazal on this particular thing. But as far as I know, I'm sorry, I, I don't know. Uh, another interesting one. This is probably going on our Tzedah Shurim, right? We had a Shurim on Tzedah, trapping uh, animals. And this is from BBC World News. I'm assuming this is not from BBC themselves, because I'm assuming BBC World News are not listening to my Shurim on Tony Time, but you never know. But there's, there's no, like, hello, thank you, goodbye, or I want to donate a million dollars to the yeshiva, but it just goes straight to the crunch. What would you say is the world's most dangerous animal? Go on, South Africans. A shark? A tiger? What about a crocodile? Although these apex predators are terrifying killers, the world's deadliest animal, year after year, is actually something much smaller. The mosquito. BBC World News. I don't know. I guess that's going on what we were saying by trapping the animal. By Armin's mask him. There we are. See? Look at that. Unbelievable. The smallest thing. It's like the coronavirus. The smallest thing. We can't see it. Terrified the world. Closed down the world. Incredible. Anyway, let's move on. Let, let's get to some... Let's get to some Gavaldiga Kashas. Okay, good day. I'm a Hasidish homemaker living in Borough Park, Brooklyn, and I listen and enjoy and promote. That's Gavaldic. Thank you. Your show, Montoni Time, during the early days of Corona lockdown, when schools still hadn't set up learning systems, I had my teenage daughters watch all of your Lama Test Malachashir every day. They learned and enjoyed the learning, which was Gavaldic. Yes, the accent had a lot to do with it. Aha, uh-huh, you see? Told you. Your recent series on meat and milk was excellent review for me, Baruch Hashem. I learned most of the halachas in high school, and your running through them was a great refresher. Our boys say, take note, guys. These are seminary girls that know their halachas. You're going to marry one of these one day. Okay. I do have a question. Uh, I do have a question about the Dover Chorif issue. I was under the impression that it's the pressure of the knife cutting combining with the pungent character of the food that turns the onion into a piece of meat, so to speak. Is it also cooking in a meat pot? Practically speaking, when making a parv soup, I am careful to use a parv knife to chop the onion up. Is that effort for naught if I cook it in a clean, probably in a banyome meat pot? Am I wrong in my recollection that such a soup cannot be eaten together with dairy, but it's completely parv and doesn't make your facial go after eating it? So the truth is, the matter is, there's a little bit of a confusion over there, I see, that um, it's true, Ducha de Sakina, the Gemara Navoy de Zorah, Paskin and Shochanoruch, and Yodeh, Simon Tzadibov, tells us that, yes, the pressure of the knife does cause the taste to extract from the knife, as we mentioned in the Shurim before Shvuas, but the same would apply by cooking it in a pan. So if you take an onion that was cut with a power of knife, and you now uh, cook it in a clean, enoi benyoimoi, fleshic pan, that onion is now fleshics. Now, would you have to wait six hours after it? Absolutely not. That's because Rubikiva Eger and Simon Peites says that it doesn't have both properties of Rambam and Rashi, and therefore you do not have to wait six hours after eating the onion. Okay. 
let's move on. Along those lines, this is probably the biggest challenge for me in the kitchen, keeping my Parav Kaling Parav. Could you please clarify for me, what is the status of a Parav knife that got thrown into the Fleshik sink? It sits there with Fleshik Gomel sometimes, and I pretty and I use pretty hot water when I wash the dishes. Can it still retain its Parav status? I'm normally careful not to do that and leave the knife on the side of the sink until I get into washing, unless you tell me that's not necessary, and which would be amazing. What if it accidentally fell in and I find myself watch it, washing it with very hot water? Thank you for taking the time to answer these Shilas. What is the app that you keep on mentioning? When you talk about your book, you throw in a word about the app. Where can I find it? I guess it didn't reach Borough Park. But I don't know. You go to the app store. You'll figure it out. It's free of charge. But I think the idea basically is like this. If you take a knife, that's a power of knife, and you sit it in the sink, and for 24 hours it's sitting in the sink, and the sink is full of chicken soup, then yes, that's kovash kumavushal, and therefore it's basically being marinated in the soup, if that's the case of your sink, and therefore that will be problematic. If it's basically just hanging around with a piece of meat or something like that, it's not actually uh, immersed in liquid meat or liquid milk, it will will actually remain parav. Using hot water, obviously, if it's out of lettuce, but it will be problematic, unless you're using soap, because obviously that will cause the bleas to go in. I always suggest this to people, where people say, what do I do? I use my parav knife for my flesh shakes. I'm stuck. First thing you have to remember, about say, the biggest mistake that people do is they take the knife and they wash it under hot water. Oh, it was parav. Now it became flesh because the hot water causes the bleas to go in. First thing you do when anything becomes a problem, Cold water, not water. Let's move on, Rabbi Isai. Lechvoid, Rabbi Wiesenfeld, my name is Ayelet, and Baruch Hashem, I have the to listen to you in your speeches pretty much daily. Thank you so much for your inspiration and uplifting Shirim. Since I begin listening to speeches, I've gained a greater perspective on Yiddishkeit and mitzvahs. Ah, Baruch Hashem, I've accomplished something which really helped me and inspired me to grow. The lessons which I really appreciated were Kibbutz of Aim and examples. Being an older teen and listening to these rules and guidelines really impacted me in many great ways. I also really enjoyed the Perkyovis and reading email Shirim. Okay, both are giving me lots of food for thought. That's the point. I always recommended Jerome, thank you, to everyone which I listen to on Turner Time, which is so amazing. Yes, Turner Time is incredible. I have two questions, and I was hoping the Rav will be able to give me some clarity and insight. My first question is, ooh, this is a very common question by there that's come in a couple of times. I'm not going to answer this one. I didn't have time too much to go through all of these. What is the halacha and sensitivity to woman and shmira sinayim? For example, the content in movies and public places such as beaches, now that the summer is here. I'm not going to answer that. Yes, there is Shmiris and I'm even by women, even though the Asurim by women are different to the Asurim of men, but I'm not going to go into it, although I have got that question a few times, and perhaps we need to discuss this on a practical level, Shmiris and I'm for women. Right? There's a certain thing of, of, of Elchite, without going into the halachic aspect of Elchite and not looking at things that you shouldn't be in, Divriznus and all the Goyesh and that they're putting on the posters and the billboards and everything else. That's not something that a Yid should be looking at. That's not something for a Yiddish eyes. Whether or not it's Mutter or Asa, maybe it's easier for a woman because there are not so many Isurim involved as Nagaya to men, but they're still, these are not a Yiddish thing to do. That's all I'm going to answer at this moment of time. My second question is while I was listening to one of the Kibbutz of Aim classes, you mentioned that if a man wishes to marry a woman who his parents not necessarily agree with, he's allowed to even if she's a great girl. Um, I understood from the share that he's allowed to do so. My question is, does the same apply to a woman as well? Can a girl marry a man who her parents don't necessarily approve of, even though he is a good person, go against their wishes and marry him? Thank you so much and enjoy your shurim, anticipating the rabbi's answers. So again, obviously it's the same thing, depending on, again, clarifying this, you need Das Torah. You need to make sure that your rabbonim, your Das Torah, have agreed that yes, this guy is correct for you, and then of course you can go ahead and marry him without your parents' approval. I wouldn't suggest it. 
I would suggest making shalom, making peace with your parents, sitting down with them, explaining to them, figuring out a way to make it work, because you don't want your parents missing the chasna, or you don't want them upset. You want them to know and love your, who, what the spouse that you're bringing home. Okay, Vita. Shalom Abocha, good vach, yashakarach, and the amazing show on time. I enjoyed the question and answer emails. Wow. I actually didn't realize so many people enjoyed these question and answer emails. For me, it's like, certainly, you know, I get these emails, I have to answer them, but like, I didn't realize other people actually enjoy, like, listening to questions that other people. But anyway, I wanted to know if you could provide me some guidance on properly checking strawberries for bugs. Uh oh. Looking at the different organizations, I'm left confused. Some say fresh strawberries cannot be cleaned and checked at all. In general, when it comes to tolome, I find the opinions to be so varied. I know that eating tolome is a very common involved various averus chas v'sholem. Any guidance will be appreciated. Thanks, Shimon. Okay. What can I tell you? I don't want to get involved in other cashless organizations, what they do and do not say. You know, so it's hard for me to answer the question worldwide. I don't know where this person is... is is writing from it's very very difficult so i don't know every place but what i would say is any tried and tra- tested way of strawberries is basically i would say first thing to do and this is a new way that they just a new method that they just found out helps a lot is that actually soak them in a little bit of salt water the salt water soap soap and salt agitates the bugs and gets them to come out once you've done that obviously you're going to want to get off the soap and the salt because you don't want to eat it that way is you take the running tap the faucet as it's running put the strawberry one by one take a sponge and slowly go round round it takes a long time yes it's a tedious activity but it's important because every bug as we mentioned is between three and seven lavim kamar and nakas and therefore a person has to be careful that is the best way that i could answer that question okay Next, Rabbi Sai. Hi, on a regular sized doorpost, is it actually Osa for the mezuzah to be low? I love this, by the way. I tell you, I love getting a shaila based on the halachas that we gave in Shir because it means that, you know, what we did was, is we basically, we, we made an awareness. And that's incredible because that's what a lot of these shurim are. You're not necessarily going to come out with every single clear halacha but you're going to have an awareness of the loch, and that's a gewaldigazach. So again, on a regular size doorpost, it is, ac- is it actually osa for the mezuzah to be lower than in the top third, or is it okay? I didn't know these halachas until I saw your series, so a few of my mezuzahs are not in the top third. Interesting. So we actually did this in Simon Reish Peites in Yeridea Si Base. The Shulchan Aruch brings down that the mitzvah is to put it in the top third of the of the doorpost, which we said actually happens to be a lot lower than what people think, because it should be in the bottom of that third. And we said the Shulchan Aruch writes that if it's a little bit higher, as long as it's not within the first tefach of the ceiling, which is obviously not going to be, then it's okay. Comes along the shachs he got in Dalad, and the shach said, no, actually lower is possible, which means, I don't know why someone would do that. If you would put the mezuzah, let's for, you know, for, for, for example, sake, halfway down, halfway down on the doorpost, absolutely possible. Unless it's a very high door, right? Remember, we mentioned this. It's an extremely high door. Then there's a more of a mock to say you put it shoulder up as you show me. And whatever it is over there. Okay, beautiful. So that's that question. Uh, let's move on, Rabbi Yisai. If anybody, if any, any of you guys have any questions, by the way, based on what we're hearing, or any of the answers that I'm giving, or you don't understand it, please, Rabbi Yisai, please write it in the chat. I am going to, I'm going to check it right now. Um, oh, Wow. We just had a uh, very important uh, fact-giving from uh, Rabbi Saxton from South Africa that the mosquito kills one million people a year. That's incredible. One million people a year killed by the mosquito. Wow. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Let's move on. Um, Okay, Gavaldik. 
I was listening to Shurim and Hilchus Brochus from a while ago. Now, that's a while ago. We need to do that in Yeshiva one day, guys. We have to know Hilchus Brochus. Someone came over to me on Shabbos and he says to me, What are all these guys in Kodal? They're learning Hilchus Nida and Hilchus Brochus. It's Abishai, the last Garov. Hilchus Brochus? How do you eat? And he push it, eat every day, three times a day, eight times a day. I don't know how many times you eat. You have to know Hilchos Brachas. So it's important to know Hilchos Brachas. So he says like this. If a Mazonis dessert needs all three Tanoim of Pasabah Bekisnin to make a Bracha, then why does busily in the middle of a meal require a Bracha if it does not have a Tanai of being filled? Let me fill you in, Rabbi Isai. In Orachayim Semekuf Samachet Siv Zayin, the Shulchan Aruch brings a three-way machloikas rishonim with pas habar bekisnin. Pas habar bekisnin basically is defined as it's a type of bread which is made into a snack. Okay, so there are three ways the rishonim understand that to be: either it's baked with something sweet, in other words, the dough itself is baked with sweet things, or it's filled with something sweet, or it's crunchy and crumbly. These are the, it's a machloik, it's three ways in the Rishonim. Shulchan Aruch says we paskin like all three, the famous Be'alochah brings Rabbi Kita Eger, that says why don't we say Yerushalayim should be yet to all three, whatever it may be. Which means, that if you have anything that fits one of those three Rishonim, the Brocha is a Mazonis. It's no longer even a Hamoitzi. I'll just give you an example. You take, uh, this is a common shayla that people ask all the time, you take for example, the same dough that you would make chalas. Right, you take the same dough, whatever your recipe for chalas is. You take it, and then you take some of it to make chalas, and some of it you smear it with cocoa, oil, and sugar, whatever they put in the in the, in the kokosh cake, whatever. Right, and then you bake it. Now it's got a tremendous amount of you know kanina horror. You squeeze it, the chicken comes pouring out. It's kishmak. What bracha is that? It's the same dough that you made chalas that you're going to be making hamotzi Friday night. The answer is, it becomes a hamoy. It comes a mazonis. Why? Because it has one condition. And that is, it's filled with something sweet. The dough itself is not sweet, but it's filled with something sweet. Or the same idea. If you were put, let's say, apple juice in the dough, which is what many pizza stores do, it becomes a mazonis. Why? Because not because it's filled with something sweet, it's not. It's because it's baked with sweet ingredients, meaning the apple juice in the dough itself. Let's not go into too many pretzels, for example. There's another example. If you make pretzels, even with the same dough as bread, will be a mazonis. Why? Crunchy and crumbly. Now, when it comes to making mazonis during the meal, the halacha is, in order to make a mazonis in the suda, I washed, and I want to make a, a mazonis in the suda. What's the din? The din is like this. The din is, generally, you never make a mazonis in the meal. Someone gives you chocolate cake, right? You guys have been in my house many times. You've had hot chocolate souffle with hot chocolate sauce just to get you guys jealous, waiting to come back. But as it's Hashem, so you will never make a mazonis in that. Why not? Why wouldn't you make a mazonis? Because yes, it's sweet, but it doesn't have all three conditions. So therefore, according to some Rishonim, it's mazonis. According to some, it's hamoitzi. Sophic pass, I don't make a bracha. Whereas, if it fulfills all three tanoim, if it's baked with something sweet in the ingredient in the dough, and it's filled with something sweet, and it's crunchy and crumbly, Bang, then it's a mazonis in the meal. What is an example of that? Hard to find one. I would say sometimes a rogaloch, maybe, if it's got sweet ingredients in the actual dough, not all of them do. Sometimes an apple, like a pastry sort of thing, that became very crunchy, that might be a hamoitz, um, that will be a mazonis in the meal. Apart from that, most things are going to be no brocha whatsoever. So that's the, that's the background, by the way, to his question. But his question is, how come 
A mezonus dessert needs all three conditions to make a mezonus during the meal, but bizzily has only one. It's crunchy. What's the difference? And the answer is because it's made in a way that it's no shaykh as the pasabobikisne. A bizzily is not nichlan namoitzin. I want to explain this just for a moment because people don't understand this. People don't understand what it means, what I do make a bracha and what I don't make a bracha. And we haven't got time to be married because we've got Kanai Nohara, a bunch of papers over here that we have to get to, and the next few days I've got a bunch more as well waiting. So the, the idea basically is bizzily is not nichlan namoitzin because it's not eaten together with bread. The idea is, the reason why we don't make a bracha on the soup, and on the salad, and on the chicken, and the potatoes, and the kegel, and all these things, is because the malafas as they pass, they're eaten together with bread. And therefore, the hamoitzi that you made originally patters that as a chedek of the suda. That's why... Um, um, uh, dessert, ice cream and these things, you would make a brach on. Because the hamoitzi has no shaykh because you don't eat it together with bread. Whereas bizli is something that has no shaykh whatsoever because at the end of the day it's not eaten with bread and therefore it doesn't have to come on to the three to know more because it's automatically not nechal in the hamoitzi. I hope that was understood. Let's go and bite to Rabbi Isai. Hello, Rabbi Wiesefeld. Hope you and your family are well in these turbulent times. Quick and random question. I know... Rav Poiskim say puzzles should be avoided on Shabbos. But I heard that Rav Scheinberg permitted all kinds of puzzles for children and adults, whether interlocking or not. I thought I'd check with you before letting someone else know that. Um, if that's okay. Thank you very much. Okay. This comes from London, actually. Look at that. Um, so the Maisa, Rav Scheinberg, was quite makele. He held that children's activities and children's toys cannot have a shame boyne or koisev on them and therefore will be mutter. I'm not so sure he said that by adults. He said that by adults as well. But for sure, when it comes to children, there's a major welcome to be makele because you cannot say a shame binion on a kid's toy. Let's move on, Rabbi Sai. Okay. <clears throat> Hi, Rabbi. Hi, Rebbe. I learned a lot from you, so you're my Rebbe. Okay, nice to meet you. First, I'd like to thank you for everything you do. Don't know why other yeshivas don't learn halacha. Hmm. I think it's the important thing before anything else. I gained, and I grow much for, uh, so much from you. Thanks. There we are. Thank you very much. Shiva space David. There we are. I have a few questions. If someone made a dent in my car, and he gave me money to fix it, and I decided not to fix it. Do I need to give Misa on this money? Interesting, Shaila. I actually don't want to go too much into this because we. And the truth is, all of these questions we can spend hours on these things. Um, the truth of the matter is, no, I don't think you have to give Misa money from there because it's not really considered to be a revach. A revach means you made money. You worked. You made money. Someone gave you a present. You made money. Over here, the value of your car goes down. Not only that, if you want to sell it, you're going to have to fix that dent or. You might have to give a lower price because of that dent. So therefore, if it went down, I don't think that money is considered to be um, miserable. I don't think so. Without going into too much detail, because we could spend hours just on that question. What a great question. Let's move weiter. When you saute onions with a new pot, but the onion was cut with a meat knife for the next 24 hours, is this pot considered to be ben yoma of meat? Interesting question. Will depend on how much oil, and if a meat that was used in the last 24 hours, then possibly yes, but it is a machoikas between the Mogan Avram and the Evan Oizen, Yeridea, Simon, Salivov, which the Mishabur and Tov Talidalad and Hilchashuas does paskin, Lahachme, and therefore you should try not to do that. Uh, after listening to your sp- Shabbos speeches on Losh, who remembers when we gave those? I don't remember doing that in Shiva. And how to make the egg on Shabbos. I spoke to my parents about it because my mother was doing it, oh, in a way that you said is Osa. Here we go. Give it of aim problems. So my father asked a very well-respected Rov, and I'm not going to say where it is, although he writes where it is. And he said that when it comes to preparing food, 
there is no problem. Sorry? Is there such a thing, if not from where is this making, where is he making a mistake? Thank you very much. I actually met you in Gourmet Glut in Lakewood not long ago. Hi. Don't remember you. Sorry. Um, what can I tell you? I, I don't want to speak badly about anybody, but I have no idea what that means. Anything comes from preparing food, there's no problem. Really? We could put on a light if you want to prepare food. You're allowed to, like, do toichen in small pieces when you want to prepare food. Chas v'shalom. I don't know what he's talking about. Losh is all about preparation of food, and it's also doraisa. When you make witabix and when you do... The ayin mitzvibel and the tuna with mayonnaise and all of these things we've spoken about, Rabbi Yisai. Shem Yirachim. I don't know. I don't know where this where this robber is making a mistake, but I guess he has to chazor. That's all I can say. Vaita. Um, thank you so much for the amazing shur. I constantly listen to them. Hashem should give you all the best. Oh, main. I do have a question about loshen hora. It's actually for my wife. Uh huh. You know these people. It's not for me. It's for somebody else. Anyway, <laughs> are we allowed to discuss? If a certain rov or person is a manipulator or controller, whoa, because one of his disciples is a friend of ours, so we know how to deal with him. Possibly as a little bit of this meter from his rov. I don't know what that's talking about. I don't really understand the question 100%, but the fee I understand it, you know, if, if you want to make sure that the rov is a normal fellow and you want to make sure that no one's getting manipulated by him or controlling by him, then I guess it would be a good thing to discuss it because you want to make sure that someone, but obviously you've got to know about it firsthand and obviously you've got to, can't exaggerate and obviously you can't hate the rov and obviously you've got to fulfill all the seven to know him that the Chovetz Chaim brings us and the Iker is Lutoy Eles and you should tell the person we're discussing it Lutte Ellis, and that's a very, very important thing for a person to realize. Moving on, Rabbi Sai. This is obviously going on our recent share. The sticky pads that catch mice on. Once the mouse gets stuck on it, it can't get off, and sometimes it tries hard to get off, then it starts bleeding, and eventually it dies from starvation. Is there any point, or is it the nice thing to do to drop something heavy on it so it dies instantly and doesn't suffer anymore? I think the answer will be absolutely. I think if you see that it's stuck and it's, it's got a problem, then yeah, I think you absolutely should. If it's if you see the animal is in, under in, intense pain, then I think absolutely. I mean, that's a pretty heavy thing to do. I don't know how you're going to do that, but um, yeah, you absolutely should do that. Um, I think we're going to end over here. I'll just mention the last comment that he says. FYI, right, for your information. Ah, huh, oops. It's very frustrating when the Rebbe brings up very interesting side questions, but then doesn't answer them, such as the question about the buzzer. I have no idea what the question was, but I definitely agree with you. But I apologize. What can I do? We only have a limited amount of time, and we've got to finish Kola Terakulai, so I don't have time to go to every single situation, but I just want to give you a bit of a taster to whet your appetite to much more. Rabbi Sai, there is a ton more to do over here. There's a ton more to do. So I hope you enjoyed a little bit about today. There really is tons more to do, Rabbi Sai. So, Amit Hashem, join us tomorrow. We're either going to do the halacha or we're going to do the hashkafa. But Ezra's Hashem Yisbarach.